Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, I'm going to be joined by author and financial advisor, Michael Lynch. So we're going to be talking retirement planning. But before we get started, I just want to let you know, this book is meant for educational purposes only. It's not intended to be personal financial advice for the simple reasons all situations are unique. And it's not written for you personally. Michael is a registered representative of Offer Security Investment and Advisory Services through MML Investment Services. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Curtis. Appreciate it. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I'm a, a, a personal financial planner. I like to say I help people, uh, uh, you know, retire and make smart money moves so they can retire on their own terms, educate their kids and make sure that no matter what life throws their way, they and the, they and the people they love are never, ever, ever poor. Because you know what? That's not good. Um, work with a wide range of people. Income from 30000 a year to over $3 million a year. It's kind of all the same, Curtis, if you really look at it, at least in that kind of a range. And uh, it's just, it's incredibly, uh, it's great. I started at 32, I'm 52 now. And uh, it's a, one of those careers where you can kind of combine social work and business. You can do well by doing good. And um, it, it's been, it's been a wonderful journey. Well, what made you want to get into financial service? I'll, I always liked to do it myself. So number one, I was one of those kids who was always kind of working. I've liked to work. I was mowing the lawns and I was fortunate to grow up in a family. My father owned a construction company, so I could go do some pretty fun work at a pretty young age. And so I always earned well and always had money jingling around in my pocket a little bit because of that. And, and I was naturally frugal. And by the time I got out of college, I was I just love doing like the employee benefits, figuring out the 401ks and the 403bs and then the Roth, and then the Roth IRAs came. And my first career, believe it or not, was media. I was a writer. I was a magazine writer, an opinion writer, and a feature writer. And uh, so that combined the skills of really interviewing people, figuring stuff out, and then communicating complex topics in ways that people could understand it. Also, as you know, Curtis, when you're interviewing, your job is to get people to tell you stuff, stuff they might not want to tell you, tell you stuff in an interesting way, and then also having a lot of respect and stuff for how you use that information. And uh, so what happened was I was in my late, early 30s, and I kind of been, had a successful writing career. But I was kind of been there and done that. And I was working at home, and it didn't like that, ironically. And I said, well, I'm going to get back out into this world here. And so I made a career switch. I said, I'm going to go into personal financial planning, not insurance sales, not investment management, financial planning. That's what attracted me to it, the puzzles of it. And I'm going to provide the kind of advice for ordinary Americans that the super wealthy get customized, fiduciary, uh, uh, individualized advice. And I never looked back. It's just been a fantastic move 20 years later. It's just been fantastic. 
where you wrote the book to cure the American disease of principal myopia. Tell us what that is and why you feel your book is a cure for it. Yeah, so this book that it's out now is, uh, uh, I talk about principal myopia as a problem. And the problem with principal myopia is people being narrowly focused on investments that can't lose value. Now, this is a strange time to be talking about this with the stock market down, you know, 20 to 30%, depending on what you're in. Uh, bonds, safe bonds off, you know, 10% as I talk. And of course, some more aggressive stuff, either smaller stocks and or the stuff known as cryptocurrency really being decimated. So th the message that you don't want a stable principle right now is like, what? But the reality is, is that it's true. We live on income, not assets. And the other reality that we have right now that makes this message more to the point is inflation. So we do need some principal protection. We do need some safe assets that don't allow principles to move. But in general, what we need is we need a lifetime of inflation adjusted income. And we need to fund it. You know, a lot of people are going to retire and going to have a 30 year retirement in my world. And that's a long time. And over 30 years, if you look back 30 years, what you spent on a cup of coffee, Curtis, a bicycle, a car, a, a water heater, if your income's not going up, you're in trouble. Well, talk about the old formula for financial success in America. T tell us uh, what that formula is and why you feel that it's broken. All right, well, that's good. So the formula goes back to the Great Depression, which is you get a good job and you keep it. You spend less than you earn. You put the money in a safe place. And you live off the interest, not the principal. Right. That's what we, we learned from our grandparents, I would think, and our parents. The issue with that form is it worked very well in a world of high interest rates and low inflation. It might even appear to work well in an era of high, high interest rates and modest inflation, but it's absolute death in an era of high inflation and low interest rates. And I tell the story in the book, it starts off with folks on this woman, Maria. She's really inspirational. Immigrant in America, she had amassed a half a million dollars working in factories, never married, never had kids. So that helps you save some money, by the way, although kids are fun. So I'm not advocating that on Father's Day. Congratulations to you, Curtis. Happy Father's Day. And, um, and she had 2000 in Social Security, always working in a factory. And by the time she saw me, that half a million dollars before the financial crisis was safe in the bank and it was giving her 5%, $2,000 a month. By the time she got to me, it was giving her $2,000 a year. She was worried. She was in pain. She didn't know what to do. And what she thought was safe was, in fact, extremely risky because she was living off the income, not the principal. And nobody likes to invade principle. It's a very bad feeling for invading principles. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is a system. The solution is not one thing. It never is one thing. It's always diversification allocation. There is a role for that money in the bank and probably two, three years of income at least. But then some of that money needs to go into the ownership of companies. And now this is not a recommendation for a stock or a mutual fund or even a particular index. It's just a recognition that wealth is owning assets and wealth in America. The wonderful thing about uh, uh, wonderful thing about the mutual fund revolution and shareholder capitalism 
is that for $100 a month, we can own all the companies in America. And if we own all of them, we own the bad with the good, but the good outweigh the bad over time historically. And our, not only will our wealth grow, but our income will grow with it. And that can drive a 30-year retirement. And that, more importantly, which is, is not really in the book, but it's going to be a topic of my next writing, it drives intergenerational wealth, which is fantastic. And I think that's coming right down. What is the main paradox of retirement planning? <laughs> the paradox is this. We live on income, not principal. Right. When we're working, it's our income. It's our income we live on. You know, if our investments went away, I, I don't know your situation, Curtis. So I'm not going to say, but I know my situation. If I lost all my investments and I could still earn a living, I'd be fine. And I know I, like most people at this young age, if I lost all my assets, I mean, I lost my income, but I kept all my assets, my lifestyle would change. And it's the same for retirees. Retirees live on the income not the principal. Yet what they worry about in the short term is short-term principal values. And it, it, it causes stress. It leads to investment mistakes. It leads to misallocation of assets. And uh, that's the paradox. That's the paradox. Well, you talk about how what investors say is safe is risky and what's risky is safe. So tell us what you mean by that. I mean, is I think people, most of us, we look so much in the present and we sort of discount the future, right? And so what we'd say a lot of times if we're going to make good decisions, whether it's about a diet, which I know you've done shows on, whether it's about exercise, whether it's about modest use of alcohol and or smoking, is if we looked at, we want to have that, we want this current us to be good to the future us, right? And we have to think. We have to think about the future us. So if we think about the future us, what's safe to what seems safe today, something that can't move, that can't go down, that can't cause me stress, is in fact going to be risky in the future because if it can't go down, it can't really go up and it's going to lose value. Now, the nature of inflation, we're in a high inflationary environment right now. And I'm not here suggesting that it's going to persist at this level. I don't think people want it to persist at this level. And I have a feeling it's not going to persist at this level, although my guess is as good as anybody's, which means it's not good at all. However, what I will say is even at historical levels of like 2%, a dollar becomes 50 cents anywhere between, you know, anywhere between 25 and 35 years. And so what that means is a consistent erosion of purchasing power. So safety needs to be defined as having money that you to spend when you need to spend it. And the money that you're going to need to spend in 20, 30 years needs to be at risk today of principal fluctuation because otherwise it will just not be able to grow to do the job that needs to be done. If financial experts recommend that you purchase income annuities for safety and retirement, why do you feel that so few Americans take this advice? This is called the annuity puzzle, right? And so let me ask you, uh, Curtis, maybe you could play a game with me. And, uh, you know, the annuities have a lot of great features to them and they have a lot of guarantees and they will keep the money coming typically as long as you're there to catch it 
if it's a certain type and income annuity, right? So I am actually not one of these anti-annuity investors, uh, advisors. I use them all the time. They're contracts. You got to understand them. You got to understand the restrictions. You got to understand the fees. That said, here's another paradox. When, when academics at like behavioral psychology experiments, Stanford and other places, when they run experiments, they find that people with income every month are happier than people with the equivalent amount of assets, okay? So if I could say uh, $500 a month is the same as having that 6,000 a year, believe it or not, is the same as having $100,000 in an investment. We call it the joy of income. They, they feel better if they have that 500 a month than if they have that $100,000. So I call it the joy of income versus the aggravation of assets back when I used to do my radio show. And, but yet anybody, Curtis, can take $100,000 of their assets and buy that $500 a month income. Now, it might be 400, it might be 550. You know, that's gonna depend on your age and the insurance company. So again, these are round numbers, I'm just quoting it. But yet when I ask you a question, I say, Mr. Jackson, I got a deal for you. You give me $100,000 and I'll give you $500 a month for as long as you live. And once you assume room temperature or in your spouse, it could be for you and a spouse, so there'll be less, I get to keep the rest of the money. What do you tell me? Uh, I'd be like, no, nah, I don't think so. A hundred thousand for five hundred dollars or less—that uh, doesn't really sound like a great deal. Exactly, because you're you are a human being and not an academic or a computer, and so that is why uh, that's why people don't use them because they don't strike them as a good deal because what they feel like is they're giving up a large a large chunk of money that's right there that they can hug, that they go get, they have flexibility with for a long stream of income that they may not be around to enjoy. And I think intuitively too, they understand the inflation issue, which is people will say, well, annuities are income for life. Well, they are, but you know, pensions, you can meet an 85 year old with a pension and it's going to be very small in many cases. And I'm like, you know, I was thinking of the case I had it, it, with a with client and mom was a widow of an executive at a big corporation. I said, well, how is the pension so small? She was the executive at a big corporation. Well, the pension came out in the 80s and we had the great inflation to reduce the value of it, right? Because the pension didn't grow. Uh, then, then it got cut in half and somebody died. And pretty soon it's barely enough money for the oil bill. So I think that's it. Uh, uh, it's intuitively a good tool because you could, you, could, you could tell, well, I'm having guaranteed income. But my point is, it's only guaranteed at first. After that, it's, inflation is going to move it up or down. So I think people intuitively understand that. And they're, they're, they, they're, they're more comfortable with, the, with, they like the flexibility. Like you said, I'm not giving you 100 for 500 a month, which by the way, would be a good deal right now. Um, but you're going to say, no way, Mike, I can do it. Well, what, what should people expect if they do decide to invest in stocks or put some of their money in stocks? Oh, they're going to expect the ride is rough. The ride will be rough. See, what happens is, and this is in my book, I get the real data in my book, and uh, you can go look at the charts and graphs. Believe it or not, the most common return in the stock market. So if we look at January 1 to December 31st, the most common return is greater than 20% return. Also, you get a lot of negative 10s and negative 20, right? So in general, if it averages out, what we see is we get three years of up for one year of down. And that year down can be down. Also, in any given year, 
in any given year. And we talk about the stock right now, I, I'm referring to you know, the broad U.S. stock market known S&P 500. It might be an Ibbotson uh, uh, index, but it's, 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 it's 500 to 1,000 stocks. So it's not just one or two stocks. Um, so what you end up with is, again, one year down for about three years up. Now, what does that mean to, to make it real and put it in reality? Let's say, Curtis, you're going to retire and you're at 65 and you're good health. So we say, look, we're going to run you to 95. Now, I'm sure you know people that are older than that, probably, right? Uh, actually, I know somebody that's like 94 right now. That's right. Good. And they probably want to get to 95, don't they? Yep, they absolutely do. People say, the reason I say that is people say, well, I don't want to live to 95. Well, I tell them, I said, well, you're not 94. (laughs) When you're 94, you're going to want to live till 95, right? So we're playing along here. We're going to have to go 30 years. So we're going to go 65 to 95, 30 years. And so we're going to take four and we're going to divide into 30. And we're just going to come up with seven because that gives us 28, right? And so what I'm going to say to you, and I'm going to be able to say with some confidence, Curtis, you're going to have seven times in your retirement. Well, your stock market, your, your investments that are at risk, and they're not going to be all your investments, but the ones that are at risk are going to be down. And when they're down, they're going to be down 10, 15, 20%, not unlike right now, which means per 100,000, you only have 80. You might have 75, you might have 85, but you're going to see substantial downs. So you've got to be prepared for that. You got to understand it. You got to recognize it's going to happen. You got to expect it to happen. More importantly, you got to know what to do when it happens. In your book, you write, the system is the solution. Explain to people what the system is and what it solves. Well, the first thing you got to do, you always have to figure out what's your target, right? If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. I know your, your podcast, you're very good at getting people to get motivated. Think big picture. And one of the people I love is Stephen Covey, the late, great Stephen Covey. And he said, all great things are created twice, right? First in your mind than in reality. So you got to have a plan and you are working on a plan. It's either your plan or somebody else's. So in finances and life and retirement, I think you'll agree it should be, it should be your plan. So what do you need? Set a target there. And this is why you can't listen to other people because some people need to spend 3000 a month, some two, some five, some 25. And if you look at my book, I have all those examples in there. And one is not right and one is not wrong. And people are not necessarily happy or sadder because of it. It's just they want to fund your lifestyle. So you figure out what you need to fund. Then you figure out how much of that is going to be taken care of by income sources that are already coming in. The main one of income sources that we have that's already going to be coming in is going to be Social Security. You know, a lot of my clients still have corporate pensions. We say nobody has them, but that's not true. A lot of people have. So there may be a pension. And if we take the Social Security, will increase with inflation, a pension won't. We say, okay, there's a gap. What's the gap? And that's where your investments come to play. So let's just use a re- simple example. Say we need five thousand a month. We got three thousand in Social Security, so we have a two thousand dollar gap, or twenty four thousand dollars a year. With that, you're going to want to say, okay, I need twenty four thousand dollars. If I'm taking 4% off, I never do math in my head anymore. It's just too embarrassing, but I got to find my calculator on my phone. So give me a, give me a second here. We do 24,000 divided by four and we say, okay, 
We have five or six hundred thousand is at four percent is the amount of money we kind of need to generate that. Now you can go between four and six, but let's just say we have the money. Well, we need twenty-four thousand a year. Round it up to twenty-five. I want to put anywhere from three to five years, anywhere from seventy-five thousand to one hundred twenty-five thousand, and then an asset that we expect to be fairly stable. This will typically be something on a range from a money market account to a bank CD to government, U.S. government bonds. Although you have to be careful with those, as we're learning now, because they will decline when interest rates go up temporarily. Then what you do is you invest the rest. And so in that example, if we took 100 and we made it safe, we got a half a million that's invested. And it's from that a half a million dollars that we then take that $2,000 a month goes up, it goes down, it goes up more, but in times of severe decline, like we're experiencing right now, we shut the income off of that and we go over to our reserve, our stable money, the stuff that I just spent, the, the, the stuff that we're principal myopia, where the principal is not expected to be down. So that's the system and it's not that complicated and it can be done. It takes a little bit of analysis to just sort of pull all people's stuff together, but then kind of figure out if they're on track or not. Why is there an elite consensus that the American retirement system is in crisis? That's a good question. And, you know, I think really think there is. I do a lot of reading on it and you, you hear that, oh, Americans can't retire. And I think there's a few, a, a few issues. Um, first, I think that it's a messy system. It's not really a system, is it? It's like, it, it's, you know, European systems, other government systems, they tend to be very top down. Everybody's in it. But our system is really composite of social security. Some people have corporate pensions. Some people have other government pensions. You work on your own, you have IRAs or SEP IRAs. You might have 401ks. So you might have 401ks. So the first thing I'll say this is not a system that's easily studied or easily designed, and it's self-service. If you don't put in, you might not get out, right? Second, the statistics on average, I think, are pretty misleading because you could say, okay, well, X amount of Americans have, no, have th this small amount invested for retirement. But when you actually look at the, the people that do retire, number one, they have enough assets to finance, and number two, Unless there's a health event, typically a health event or a death of a spouse after a health event, a surprising number of people pass away with more money than when they start with. And third, when the people that are worried about retirement in their 50s, you interview them, they're worried about in their 50s. By the time they interview them again in their 70s, they're, they're happy. They're happier than they thought. The retirement is going well. So I think there's just a I think there's just a lot of a lot of reasons for it, and it's just because it's not a neat and tidy system. But I think it's absolutely fantastic because it's based on freedom and allows people to really make their own decisions about current consumption or future consumption. The final thing I'll say on it, as somebody that has lived in diverse environments and diverse economic environments and works with diverse economic clientele is that I think people that are academics, they're upper middle class, got pretty substantial income, their social security and other assets are small, or that their social security is small relative to overall needs. When we look at people that are lower earners, but they are earning, they are paying in the system. 
Social security is absolutely fantastic. It might replace 60% of income and there's very low income tax at that level. Now, the issue of lower earning people, not, you know, having less assets it might be a social problem, but when it comes to retirement, they can actually get it done very, very, very well. And I know that because I work with them, unlike a lot of financial advisors. In retirement, it's popular to say win by not losing, but your views are opposite of that. Uh, explain your views and why you feel opposite. I like to say, don't lose by not winning, right? Don't lose by not winning. So what win by not losing is, let me go to that because that's going to be very attractive right now and that's going to come back. Win by lot losing means that you never put your money at risk of principal fluctuation, i.e. invest in publicly traded securities such as equity stocks and or bonds in any way, because otherwise it's going to go up or down. So you keep your money, you keep your money stable. I'm hesitate to say safe, but safety defined as stable in the bank. So we know how well that's done for us for the last 10 years. We've got banks that had like zero interest or are very close like that. But in the time right now, we feel great, right? Because our money's here, our investments would have been down. And therefore, holy smoke, we won. This is a good time. So we win by not losing money when the market goes down. Okay. The reality is, I believe that unless you're going to follow that sort of ultra, ultra conservative, put it in FDIC backed investments, it's impossible not to decline when the market declines. Even bonds right now, government bonds, bundles of them are negative year to date, and some are substantially negative. So, so even things that seem safe can be down. So my point is, is you need to win, you need to not lose by not winning. You need to be in that stock market when it goes up. You need to stay in in 2020 when it dropped 30% because it ended up that year in double digits. 2021 was good, you know, 2019. So when you're it's up more than it's down. And if you miss the ups, you're gonna miss you, you, you miss almost all the returns. So so that's that's my point. I'm gonna just kind of flipping a little cliche on his head. So tell us about any upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about. Uh, there's a couple of things. I, I, thanks for asking, Curtis. That's a great question. One of the things, and it's not going to surprise you, a longer term project of mine that I'm trying to flush out right now is, um, is a, what I think is going to be a great middle-class wealth transfer, massive middle-class wealth transfer. And what I mean by that, I think a lot of your listeners can imagine this. So while we're working, our lifestyle is kind of constrained by our income. So if I'm a middle-income person, I have a middle-income lifestyle. Now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm saving 10% into my employer plan, one in $10. That's a classic formula for success in America, one that really does work. And I'm getting a match and I'm not spending it. So I, that with Social Security should take care of my retirement if I started early enough. Meanwhile, my parents now are the first generation that also had these retirement plans. So now they have that retirement plan. They're living off the interest, not the principal. They're living on the income. They're not depleting it, as I said. And so, you know, my parents are 30 when they had me, let's say. So by the time they're 80, right, I'm 50, 90, I'm 60. So by the time they pass, because we don't want that early, the money's going to go to the kids. And when that money hits the kids, to be a massive infusion on top of an already, already well set financial situation, and I think this is I think this is going to be huge. I think you know the, the middle class is just about ready to explode in wealth in this country, and it's because of that retirement system 
I talked about that I like so much. It focuses on assets and not just income and annuities. Pensions don't create wealth. They don't pass from generation to generation. 401ks and IRAs do. So that's one thing that I'm really trying to put a, uh, to put a, a, a put some, you know, do some writing about it in, in early stages. Well, give out your website info, any social media links where people can stay connected with you, uh, contact you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, go to www.simpleandbig.com www.simpleandbig.com. You can sign up for my newsletters. I have a course on there that I teach my book. I spent a lot of time on it, a lot of money creating it. It's my first online course. Due to the regular story stuff that we talked about earlier at this, you know, not be doing personal investment advice and also not wanting to charge for investment advice that wasn't personal, I am offering it free complimentary copy. Go to simpleandbig.com, see my courses and sign up. I think that you'll like it. It's it's modular, it's quick, it hops. And it, if, you're, if, if you're, you're planning on retirement or getting close to it, that's just a great place to go. So simpleandbig.com, sign, you can sign up uh, for everything right there. Email mlynch at barnumfg.com. But uh, go to that website and you can get us, you can get us through that website. Close us out with some final thoughts. Well, I just want to thank you for having me and taking the time out, Curtis, on Father's Day. I hope it's just a wonderful day for you. It's a great show. Um, you know, there's not one right way to do it. There's just a right way for everybody to do it for themselves. And I think that's the key, you know. Don't let anybody push you around. Financially, no, nobody's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. If you don't put in, you can't take out. But really explore all your options. Look broad. Look historically and then go hard at it, and you will you you'll get you'll get both what you want and what you need in this in this world. I believe that's the case. Ladies and gentlemen, simpleandbig.com, Michael Lynch. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, and share this episode to as many people as possible, especially those who are looking to retire. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast app. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Happy Father's Day. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.